Hello and welcome back to New Teacher Jumpstart. I'm Carrie Conover and I am so glad that you are back and you are joining us for this episode on relationships. Today we're going to talk about relationships with parents, relationships with students, and relationships with your colleagues. If this is your first time to the E2E podcast, hello, I'm Carrie Conover, the founder of Educators to Educators and the host of the Educators to Educators podcast. Those of you that are returning, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. Today for this topic of building relationships, I brought in a very special person to E2E, Kristen Harris, who is a teacher. She is a talent coordinator for Educators to Educators, which means she helps us recruit the top teachers across the nation to present at our conferences. And I just adore Kristen. I think she's a magnificent woman, human being, and teacher. So Kristen, welcome to the E2E podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Kristen, today we're going to talk about relationships, which I think is one of the things that actually burns a lot of young teachers out and veteran teachers, frankly. Um, When you start talking to teachers who have been in the profession for a while, especially, you know, in these hard, tough days of COVID-19, you hear a lot about how hard it is to build and, and um, maintain relationships with parents. And so that's where we're going to start today. Yeah, absolutely. Kristen, we're going to talk about parents in kind of three buckets. So we're going to talk about kind of beginning of the year communication, We're going to talk about this concept that you brought to the table of filling the buckets of the parents, which I absolutely love. And then we're going to wrap up with talking about how you really need to get to know your parents. So let's start with communication. I'll start off here. Um, It is so essential that we have, as teachers, set up communication routes with parents and that we stay consistent with those, whether those are newsletters or, you know, e-newsletters, paper newsletters, how you send work home. Do you send it home in a folder? Do you give kids feedback on an online grade book? So at the beginning of the year, really thinking through those methods of communication. Kristen, do you have anything to add to that at that beginning of the year communication? Sure. I mean, I think that constant communication is the best way to have a great relationship with parents. I know that my first year, I struggled with that a little bit, um, with parents expecting me to reach out to them all the time. But I decided to give myself a 24-hour policy, which I think is um, very important for new teachers to think about and consider when communicating with parents. You want to have different ways to communicate, but then you also want to give yourself a time limit in which you communicate with them so that they don't feel like you're not responding or they don't feel like you know they never hear from you. So if you're doing something like a newsletter or even there's apps nowadays where you can um, talk to parents as if you were messaging them or instant messaging them, um, Those are all great ways, but just making sure you're consistent and making sure that you give yourself a time period so that they feel like you're interacting with them and communicating with them on a regular basis. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I talk about this a lot in this podcast of don't become an on-demand teacher either. Mm -hmm. So I like what you're saying, like, don't wait longer than 24 hours, but you don't have to answer every single email and phone call right away because you're also then setting yourself up to be this kind of on demand teacher, definitely set your office hours, make sure you respond within 24 hours, but also respect your own boundaries as well. 
I think that by some of those apps you're talking about, Kristen, but just being consistent in your ways of communication. So many teachers use newsletters and I just want to share out one tip uh, regarding newsletters. And then I'd love to hear Kristen, if you have any tips kind of on this newsletter topic, but I've seen this from the parent side where my kids have had a teacher that sends home a newsletter every week. And it's basically this form newsletter that really doesn't change. (laughs) There's not, I mean, it's like, oh, here's the letter sounds we're studying this week. Here's what we're studying in science. Here's what we're studying in social studies. This is what we're doing in writing. And it really, I stopped opening them. Right. It really wasn't giving me any new information that I really need. So if you are going to set out a weekly newsletter, um, really think about what you're trying to get to your parents in that newsletter. And I have a friend who's a first grade teacher, a veteran first grade teacher, and she was telling me that her kindergarten, she's twin kindergartners that are in school. And she said, this teacher did something for her newsletter that changed the way I will do newsletters forever. And so she, I think it was every Friday, sent the te- the parents three questions that they should ask their students or their own kids. Instead of it being like this bucket list, it was like, so she would give them three questions. Like, how does, how does a caterpillar go from a butterfly? How does, what did you do in the school assembly? Like, so they were three questions that the parent could then interact with the kid. And then at the very bottom of it, she put only the essential announcements that a parent would need to know, like, don't forget, bring a brown bag lunch next week or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was genius because as a parent, I would open that every Friday. So I had something to talk to my kids about. Absolutely. I actually used to do that too. I used to have five questions um, and I sent home a newsletter as well every Friday Um, And I used to have five questions that the parents would have to talk to their kids about. And not only are you developing that relationship with the parents because they feel like you care enough to include things that aren't like, hey, this is what we're doing in in writing, but um, you also help that relationship between the parent and the student because the students go home really excited about something and the parent gets to know more about what they were excited about. And um, I think it's really important when you're using these newsletters, you aren't just putting the same thing all the time. It's very important to put milestones that the kids are reaching, how they're being successful in other areas besides academics, because yes, we're there to, as teachers to teach content, but it, it's so much more than that. And when parents see that you care about other things, not just test scores and not just data, when they see you care about the whole child, it sets you up for a very successful relationship with that parent. Absolutely. And I think whatever communication tools you set up, always guiding the parent back to those tools. So if a parent emails you and asks you a question that was on the last week's newsletter or is on your website, instead of just answering right there in the email, you can say, hey, Mrs. Conover, so wonderful to hear from you. Emily just had a great week. All of the information about next week's field trip can be found in the newsletter. I'm attaching it here. Or it can be found on the classroom website. I'm get, providing the link here. Right Now, I even do this with educators to educators. Mm-hmm. As, as like a founder of a company, like of a business, I even do this when teachers reach out to me and ask me questions that are 
blatantly on the website or the registration page. I'll point them back and say, hey, take a look on the registration page down at the bottom. It gives you all the details. And I think that as you do that, you're training your parents. You do this with your students too, right? You train them how to use the tools. Yes. And so instead of just directly always answering that, because that, that, t- that parent's going to rely on you to just, they're not going to look at the newsletter anymore. But if you point them back to your communication tool and you're really good about updating that, they're eventually going to use that tool on their own instead of emailing you. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. That's awesome. And I think too, with the, you know, you're going to go over this stuff at open house or whatever. Well, not every parent's going to be there. Open house, I've gone as a parent, it's overwhelming. (laughs) Um, And so you're going to want to keep reinforcing these tools, especially at the beginning of the year, because it'll make your life a lot more easy. So let's talk a little bit about filling the bucket. So tell me how you've used this in the past and, and what, you know, I think we've all heard of filling the bucket, a kid's bucket. What does this mean with parents? Absolutely. It's one of my favorite tools to use with parents, and I think that parents appreciate it too. So what I mean by filling the bucket is that at the beginning of the school year, each parent starts out with an empty bucket, and it is our responsibility as teachers to fill it and fill it and fill it by sending good notes home, by just having a phone call and asking, you know, how's it going? You know, do you see anything new with your son or daughter that is an accomplishment that you'd like to talk about, like not just calling for negative things or things that have happened that you don't really care for. You fill up their bucket so that when it's full and you have to take a little out of it by having a tough conversation or letting them know that um, their child did something that wasn't really um, in the best interest of their peers or as you as a teacher, it it makes them not feel so empty. I know a lot of the times um, in the past, I had a student and his teachers in the past would constantly call his mom. And she would tell me all the time, like, I felt like they just never had anything good to say. And whether we want to admit it or not, every child does something great and has an accomplishment in the classroom. So if you know you have a student in your class that might be a little bit challenging, especially for those who um, might be a little bit challenging, you're going to want to fill that parent's bucket up so that when you are taking out of it, it doesn't feel like it's empty and that they have nothing to offer or nothing to give, or it feels like that you're um, they're just getting phone calls about their child misbehaving all the time. And this also shows parents that you really care, you know, just giving them that good information periodically um, so that their bucket doesn't run empty. I don't know about you, but several times when I've been at conferences and I, it's the first time I've met a parent face to face and I'm telling them all the wonder, well, maybe not the first time, but I'm telling them all the things I really love about their child. And they're like, looking at me like, wait, are you talking about my kid? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm talking about your kid. I always um, do that too. Because a lot of times kids honestly kind of save their worst behavior for home because that's where they feel the most safe. Mm-hmm. So it's a parent. I mean, from a parent perspective, I- I'll never forget when I gave birth to my son, my first child. And like mm-hmm. people try to prepare you for what that feels like. But when you have your first child, or I'm sure it's many times the same with adoption and you look at this baby and you're like, I have to keep this thing alive and youth and like healthy and raise it right. And that's what you think about all day, every day. And whether you're a kindergarten teacher or a high school teacher, um, you know, our kids walk into your classroom and that's our world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so 
it does really feel good to have a teacher say those nice things about your kids and to hear those things, whether they have other issues they need to work on, because every kid has things they need to work on. Make sure you do fill that bucket up because it, it feels really good. And I agree with you. It makes it a little bit easier when you have to deliver some not so great news. And I always get the the tone from parents when you call for that first time or even maybe the second time. And they're used to getting those negative phone calls from their previous teacher or whoever. And they go, oh, no. What happened now? (laughs) But then when you hit them with something positive, they're like, oh, wait, nice. Okay, so this is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that just feels good. I mean, I don't care who you are, if you're a parent or not, when you're used to negativity, but then someone is showing you the light in a situation, it just makes you feel so much better. That way, yeah, when you do have to have those tough conversations about something, you're not likely to be defensive because you know that the teacher has your best interest at heart and has your kid's best interest at heart. Absolutely. And I think part of building that relationship too is knowing your parents and knowing your families. Um, You can send out a survey at the beginning of the year asking about their family and what holidays do they celebrate? Is there anything that you need to know about the student or their family or, you know, what makes your family special? Like talking a lot about, you know, you know, asking those questions, obviously in a very respectful way, will really give you some insight um, into that child. I don't know how many times I have thought during a parent-teacher conference when I was on the teacher side of things thinking, hmm, the apple does not fall far from the tree, <laughs> now does it? And, it, and, and it, it's like the, the faster you can kind of get that information as a teacher, it's going to help you with your student relationships as well. Absolutely. I actually did, um, I do two letters home. One is for the child to fill out. And it's something I wish my teacher knew. And the child gets to tell me something that they wish I knew about them. But then I also send one to the parents. What's something that you want me as their teacher to know about not just your child, but you as well. Um, There were times where I had parents write me the letter that said, I wish my child's teacher knew that I'm a single mom working three jobs and yada, 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 yada. That gave me a, a better insight into what this child might be coming in with and who this parent is. And then also the parent's personalities, because then you get to see how comfortable they are with sharing certain information with you. Yep, absolutely. Um, let's talk for a quick second before we start talking about relationships with students. Parent relationships are hard. And, and this is what I always say to new teachers. If you look at a classroom of 30 kids, that is a representation of society. And their families are a representation of society, which means you're going to have parents with addictions. You're going to have parents with um, struggling to get food on the table. You're going to have parents that have mental illness. Yes. You're going to have parents that are going through divorces. You're going to have parents that, you know, are very happy and well-balanced and dream dream parents in a way, when I say dream parents, I mean that they're always there to help and, you know, support you and sending you positive emails and all that. But you will never have a classroom full of perfect supportive parents. And you're never going to have a class where every single parent loves and adores you. So give up on that right now. Like do not put your energy into trying to get all the parents to love and adore you. I agree. 
I think I tried that my first year and I yeah. drove myself crazy. <laughs> yeah. There's always going to be the parent that no matter what is going to talk crap about you on the playground. Mm-hmm. There's always the parent, no matter how amazing you are, that is just not going to like you. They're not going to like your voice. They're not going to like the way you dress, whatever. So you have got to get some thick skin and realize that, that a person who's unhappy in their life or struggling with something in their life, they may take it out on you. They may not like you and that's okay. Your focus is to communicate. Your focus should be on the kids and, you know, doing a good job teaching and communicating with parents the knowledge that they need to know. But I think it's important that we address this, don't you? That like parents can be really tough and they can take things out on their student, on their kids' teachers. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't take it personally. Um, they're going through things that you won't understand as a child's teacher because that's not really your job. Um, we want to develop relationships with um, parents, but we also want to be professionals. And, you know, it's not really your job to pry or to go into, you know, why they're feeling that way. Just know that they are and you just have to move on. Have the confidence in yourself to know that you are treating their child with the utmost respect and you love their child and you're just going to move on. Don't respond to emails in moments of anger or hurt. Yes. Don't com- re- remember that your email communication is technically like public domain. I don't know if a lot of people know that, um, but your school email can be like by the courts become like public domain. So just be careful what you communicate in email, track everything you do. But the second you're starting to feel uncomfortable, go to a trusted colleague or go to an administrator and ask for help if, if anything ever escalates, but just, just try to stay calm, cool, and collected and don't respond out of a place of anger or stress. Let yourself cool down. If you're ever feeling that way before you respond, cause, um, that can really backfire on you. Yeah. My, my rule as a teacher is 30 minutes. I give myself 30 minutes, um, after receiving something that I might have not liked. And after that 30 minutes, then I'll respond. Perfect. I like that rule. And, you know, and it, and it's hard sometimes to not let those emails really ruin your day, but try not to let that boil over into your classroom and into the kids. Just try to stay focused on, on that teaching. Like I said, there's always going to be somebody that's unhappy with something. Um, it's just part of being a teacher. Yes. <laughs> um, my bo- dog is barking and, um, at something outside. So I'm just going to keep rolling. I'm hoping you guys can't hear him. He's downstairs going crazy at the mailman or something. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't really hear him. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, and you know, that conversation where we're being frank, that's part of the reason why I wanted to do new teacher jumpstart is that I feel like a lot of times people don't give you like the truth about this. And so mm-hmm. when you do get an email that makes you feel angry or hurt or something, it's like, wait, I, I feel guilty that I'm feeling this way. No, every teacher has felt that way. So I want to talk about these real things. That's why we really are doing new teacher jumpstart. Okay, Kristen, let's transition into talking about relationships with students, which I think is just probably your biggest strength and something you're so passionate about. So what tips and tricks would you give new teachers when it comes to building relationships with uh, students? Absolutely. Um, One thing that you will enjoy as a new teacher and one thing that I have certainly enjoyed is just developing positive relationships with our students. And I'm saying positive for a reason because we have no idea what their relationships are like at home. 
and for them to come into a space for eight hours and spend time with other um, students and with you for eight hours is a pretty big deal every day um, for five days a week. So developing relationships with your students is the most important thing. And it starts before they even walk into the room. So if I had some advice for new teachers, it would be that develop some kind of system where you get to talk to or interact with your students before they come into your classroom. For example, I had um, handshakes, secret handshakes that only my uh, me and that kid knew. And it wasn't the same for every child. We made up our own. Um, I've also had a couple of years ago, I had a sign at the door where it's like, you can either do a handshake, a hug, or um, a pinky promise or something where you're interacting with them. And then sometimes it's just a wave because some kids don't really like that touching unless they like get to know you. And so developing some kind of system when you, when they first get there, before their day even starts, before they even sit down in that chair, God knows what happened in the car, what happened last night at home. We don't know. But when before they get to your classroom, it's so important to develop some kind of system where they know that you're welcoming them and that you want them to be there. Absolutely. I love that. And then another thing that I have is the best way to have expectation, or I'm sorry, to develop relationships with your students is to have great expectations for your students. Um, believe it or not, especially when you feel like you have a challenging class or a couple of challenging students, kids love structure. They need it in order to thrive in the classroom and they respect you so much more when there is structure. So if you want a positive relationship, have those great classroom management skills, have that gr those great expectations for your class that applies to every single person. And that's how you can not only just have a quote unquote teacher student relationship with them, but a connection with them. Because like I said earlier, um, our relationships and stuff are so much more than teaching content in the classroom. It's about really getting to know your students as well. When you think back on your childhood, I think back to a lot of my teachers and I knew which teachers liked me and which teachers didn't. Yes. <laughs> and it was like, it was a feeling like you just really know, or not so much that like, I like, like, or dislike, but, and also who liked their job and who didn't like their job. Like they didn't have to say, it just oozed from them. And I think kids mm -hmm. have really good instincts about that. And that's why I think you and I preach the self-care, mm -hmm. but happy teachers that are happy in their life and work on themselves and take care of themselves they ooze this like love and joy for their job, even yeah. in the hard days. Yeah. Um, I think back to a teacher I had in middle school. I had her two years in a row for like English language arts. And I read the things I remember about her are just like the quirkiest things. Like she was always trying to lose weight. And so she had this huge like ice cup with water that she was always drinking and always talking about how <laughs> drinking water is going to help her lose weight. And she worked out and but she was just like always, and like, honestly, her pedagogy was pretty plain Jane. Like I remember her sitting at the front of the room with the teacher's manual on her stool and like <laughs> having us go one by one. Okay, you do number one, you do number two, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I learned a lot from her because she just was like a joyous person who right. was happy and she really liked us. 
Yeah. And sometimes that's, that's really all it takes. Um, students are willing to learn from those. No, you know what? There's a saying, it says, uh, students don't care how much you know, unless they know how much you care. And that is literally the best way to explain it. She could have taught you in the most boring way, but because she was such a joy and because she gave so much of her personality, you guys wanted to learn from her. Um, it's the same with adults. I, I don't want to sit through a training or learn from somebody who is just like, you know, doesn't really have a personality or doesn't really show a human side to them. So yep. kids respect that human side when you show it. And I think it's like, just even taking the second, I remember her, she would always look us in the eye. Like I felt mm -hmm. like she saw me and I was middle school. So we were like one class after another class after another class, but taking the moment to look the kids in the eye and smile at them and that mm -hmm. they feel seen by you mm -hmm. goes a really long way. Like, I mean, I, you and I could go down this path of like classroom transformations. And I, I think those are fun. And if people want to do them, but it also exhausts a lot of teachers. So when you are tired and you feel like you can't give any more focus on those special moments with your kids where you just laugh or smile, or you have those inside jokes in your class, or like I used to just be in the middle of like a lesson and bust out in some kind of like song or jingle mm -hmm. that I would make up, you know? And, and I think my kids knew deep down, like I liked teaching and mm -hmm. so they liked learning from me. And I'm, I think that sometimes new teachers feel all this pressure to have it together all the time. And so they get crabby. Yeah. It's all about not taking yourself too seriously. Especially, yes. especially those teachers who work with kids from five to 12 or five to 13, like, come on, they're, they're kids and they want to have fun. And so just be yourself and have fun. You don't have to take yourself so seriously. And the students will definitely gravitate towards you more when you do have fun and you are yourself. Well, and when Heather Campbell and I were talking about, um, we recorded the podcast where we were talking, it's the last, last episode, the bonus episode actually in this um, series. And we were talking about commanding your classroom. Mm -hmm. And there's this, there's a way that you can have fun and be authentic and be yourself, but still have command of your classroom. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I mean, that just goes back to what I was talking about earlier, having those very clear expectations and not just for your students, but also for yourself as a teacher, yep. setting goals for yourself and setting goals for, and the kids having them set goals for themselves. Because when you have those clear expectations, there's this understanding that, wow, my teacher is really nice. She's funny. She's hilarious, but she also means business because she cares about our success. So for sure, definitely. I used to always be like, when my kids were driving me bonkers or I was, you know, they were doing, I'd be like, do you guys want nice Mrs. Conover or mean Mrs. Conover? It's your choice. <laughs> Who wants nice Mrs. Conover? And they're like, I'll raise their hand. I'm like, okay, so you know what you need to do? You need to clean up after yourself. You need to blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, exactly. And like, even in my, like, uh, I was boiling inside. Like I could use that kind of humor with them mm -hmm. and they knew, okay. Like I do that with my kids even now, my own kids, like, you know, like, Hey, you're getting me to the point where I'm about to explode. So mm -hmm. let's do what we need to do. <laughs> but I use it humor, you know, right. I use the humor to help. So, and it's okay to be honest with them about that yeah. because you want to show them as well as a new teacher, especially that 
you have feelings and you are human as well. And um, just just like they get upset, you could get upset and you don't want to get to that point. So that relationship with your students definitely is something that you should, you know, be funny and and be humorous and love on them, give hugs and whatever else, but also, you know, set some strict guidelines. I do think that every ounce of energy you put into building relationships with your students will pay out in the relationships with the parents. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They go home and tell their parents um, about you. I used to joke at open house and I'd be like, okay, everybody, I want parents. I want to make a deal with you. I'm not going to believe, or how about this? Like you don't believe everything your kids say about me to you. And I won't believe everything that they say about you to me. And they would always laugh, right? Like we'd always <laughs> kind of break the ice in that way, but they do go home. So if you are treating them with that respect, if you are working on those relationships, they're going to be telling their parents about it. And then when they come to see you at conferences or they meet you for the first time, they're already going to have that bucket full from that too. Exactly. Exactly. Any last tips you want to give about building those relationships with the students, especially, especially at the beginning of the year? Yeah. Um, you mentioned respect and I just thought about how one thing I know that new teachers struggle with sometimes is this mentality of I'm the teacher and I'm new and I'm coming in here full force. So respect me because I am your teacher. But I think it's very important to not not to expect our students to have a certain relationship with you if you aren't willing to have that relationship with them because that respect goes both ways. And to keep relationships respectful on both ends, you have to both gain respect from your kids and give respect out. Therefore, if you're not getting respect from your kids, you can always bring um, forward to the fact that you always respect them and you have never not respected them so that you don't deserve the disrespect. But then also it helps save yourself too, because when parents do want to have conversations about your relationship with their student or their child, you want to make sure that you can honestly say, I have nothing but respect for your student. I've always talked to your student in this way and I've always loved them and cared about them. So just having that respect in both ways and knowing that if you want something back, you also have to give it. I love that. That's amazing. Let's talk a little bit about relationships with colleagues and administrators. Um, I think this is something that we don't talk a lot about with new teachers, but it's super important. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. <laughs> I wish I would have had somebody talk to me about conversations about my colleagues as well when I was a new teacher. I think for me, um, as many of you know, I mean, I've been in education for 20 years and I feel like one of my blessings and kind of one of my superpowers is that I not only taught for 10 years, but then I, I've spent the last decade like working with administrators and principals and superintendents. I've worked with some of the largest school districts in this country to the like most rural school. And so I've got to see school districts and um, schools from the perspectives perspective of leadership. And it's been really interesting to see behind and become friends with principals and administrators. And so I think I want to start this conversation from that perspective is that as a new teacher, you are going to be watched carefully by 
your colleagues and by administrators. And Heather and I talked about this a little bit too. Um, some of the things you can do to really build strong relationships with your administrators is by asking questions to the right people. So if you have a question about curriculum or lesson planning or anything, go to your colleagues and ask them, ask lots of questions at the beginning. People are expecting you to ask those questions, but save your time when you're talking to an administrator for, you know, really big topics. So you don't want to be running to your administrator and principal asking them questions like, how do I turn in attendance? I think that seems like an obvious thing, but I just want to, I want to state that in that when you're going to take some of your administrator's time, make sure it's for something really big and important or to ask them for feedback on something. So I just interviewed Caitlin Mitchell about how you can like take criticism well as a teacher. And we talked about going to your administrator and inviting them into your classroom to give you feedback and advice. So that time you have with your administrator, it's going to be limited. And so you want those act interactions to be positive and you want it to kind of appear that you have your stuff together. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then also thinking about those administrative relationships is that If you're asked to turn your lesson plans in every Monday by nine, have your lesson plans in every Monday by nine. Mm -hmm. If your administrator asks you to fill out a form in an urgent situation, fill out the form. Mm -hmm. Give your, do what you're asked and don't complain about it and don't object to things, especially in that first year. You want to fly under the radar, get your stuff done and not be someone that stands out as kind of like a rebel or troublemaker, like save those objections. I do think teachers should have voice and stand up for the things they don't agree with. But I think you want to make sure that you aren't doing that in your first year because you need time to figure out the lay of the land of the school and you don't want to upset the wrong people too early. And that's just me being frank. (laughs) <laughs> yep, I totally agree. And I and I think something else that new teachers have to, going off of that, something else new teachers have to think about is that um, you can't complain about something when you've called admin for every little thing, depending on how they choose to handle it, um, especially if it's dealing with a certain child or dealing with, um, you know, some paperwork. Don't complain about how they deal with it when you went and asked them in the first place because their mindset for school um, is a little bit different than a teacher's mindset, the things that they have to focus on and worry about. So it's almost just best to talk to your colleagues around you, your teammates and, um, or your coaches. That's what teacher coaches are there for too. But yeah, admin is definitely um, for the big, bigger things. And also when you're, you're trying to make a good impression on your boss, like your admin is your boss. And If you go to your teacher meetings and you're making eye contact with your administrators while they're talking and you're smiling and you're present and you're on time and you're positive, they are going to quickly realize that you are someone that they can rely on Mm -hmm. and that is going to bring positivity and a positive community to the school. Um, And with that being said, let's talk about colleagues a little bit because I think it's really important that you choose the right colleagues to trust and associate yourself with? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's very important. (laughs) Give us some tips on building relationships with your colleagues. Um, 
I have two main rules when it comes to building relationships with colleagues. I stay out of the gossipy teacher's lounge and I look for teachers who are very positive, who have probably been teaching for a great deal of time that I can connect with, who can kind of serve as a mentor. Um, I think that when you're working with colleagues, it's very easy to slip into the slippery slope of, you know, talking about this, that, or the other. And when you're a new teacher, you really don't have a leg to stand on yet. <laughs> like you really can't be talking about things that you're really not sure um, about. So I think it's very wise to pick who you spend a lot of your time with, especially as a new teacher, because your first year is going to be about growth and you want to be different from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And you don't mm -hmm. need to be around people who are just going to keep you stagnant. Great advice. Yeah. What was the second thing that's kind of your rule? Um, I, I think I said it, didn't I? Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. sorry. Stay out of the teacher's lounge. Stay out of the teacher's lounge and having that mentor. Somebody. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's totally okay. Yeah. I said a lot, so. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. I, when we were preparing for this episode, I jotted this little note. So um, about my, my sixth year of teaching, I decided to move to a different school. I wanted to be a little bit closer to where I lived. And the school I got a job at is like one of the most competitive schools to teach. At. Like people want to teach at this school. And the interview process was pretty grueling. So I had been, I had been teaching for five years. So I got this job. And on the first day of professional development of this new school year, I walked in, I found a table to sit down at, and I introduced myself. And then this gentleman comes up and he sits down next to me and he's like, are you Carrie Conover? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you're, I think he said chick. I think he goes, you're the chick that stole my job. And I was like, oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. So then everyone's like laughing uncomfortably so come to find out, he was um, a teaching assistant at the school who had just finished his teaching degree, and he had been there a long time, and he, everyone thought he was going to get this position, this fourth grade position that I got, and I got it, and I think it was complicated because the people that were on the interview panel were his friends and colleagues, and so it was kind of complicated. So... That was a big red flag for me. I was like, okay, th this was complicated. This is a complicated situation that I don't have the context on. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, I mean, it all worked out. And I remember like halfway through the school year, I presented on something at a professional development and he came up to me and he was like, hey, like, I now see why you got this job over me. You're a way better teacher than I am. And to this point, we're, we're Facebook friends, we're good. But um, I tell that story because you are walking into a lot of situations mm -hmm. that you know nothing about and you don't have context around. School mm -hmm. adult relationships can be very complex. There are people who are enemies. There are people who are best friends. There's cliques. There's affairs every once in a while. Like mm -hmm. there are complicated situations. So just remember, don't go in with the like blazing in like a bulldozer, like, just make sure you go in very observant, 
listening and give your time to kind of figure out the different social circles. Yeah. Soak up as much as you can um, during that time too. I know that I was always a person that had a lot of friends in my social life outside of work. And so any friends I made within work were like bonus friends that I still talk to to this day. But do you have any advice about, you know, friendships and kind of having that social circle within work? Yeah. I mean, I think um, I'm actually very close to my current team right now. We hang out outside of school a lot. We are all really good friends. And we just made a couple of rules when it came to our friendships. Ooh, I love this. Tell me all about these rules. Seriously, like we have to. (laughs) We make rules. Like when we're hanging out outside of school, we're not going to bring school with our friendship outside of school because we talk about it a lot all day every day anyways and so that's how we maintain our friendship but um, we also promised each other that we would have each other's backs and help whenever we needed to so for example if i'm at school and there's something that was said in a meeting and i don't really understand it and i don't feel comfortable or i just don't want to go ask admin because like we said those are for those big questions just stop by and say, hey, I I need help on this. And it's okay to ask for help. But those friendships that you create with your team or um, somebody on somebody else's team or whatever the case may be, those are friendships that you want to keep as long as they're healthy because you guys are in the same boat. You're both teachers. And especially if you're a first-year teacher, like I said, it's kind of great to have that friend or that mentor that you can look up to and ask any question you need to. And let's be real we're teachers, but we're humans first. So we're all going through things. We all have different things that happen to us in our lives. And so we all need that support from each other, not just a learning support about school, but just a life support. Um, So that might look like getting a card for a teacher who has a sick husband or being a listening ear or, you know, maybe taking a challenging student from one of your friends slash teacher mates just to give her a break. It could look like anything, but those relationships and those bonds that you will form, because you will, it will happen. (laughs) They are so special and so important because you guys literally know what you're going through every single day because you're living with it together. I think one thing, again, how we were talking about the energy you put in your students will pay off with the parents. Mm -hmm. The energy you put into other teachers will pay off with your students. And what I mean by this is learn the teacher's names in your school. Mm -hmm. And when you're walking through the hallway, say, hi, Mr. Antisberger. Hi, Miss Jones. Address them and say hello. And Mm -hmm. I was a big relationship builder and I said hi to every fellow teacher in the hallway. And I know my students were watching that and Mm -hmm. they saw I was modeling how to be a professional, good colleague. And what was beautiful is because I was building these strong relationships. I would see a teacher and they'd be like, hi, and they'd give me a big hug or they'd say, oh my gosh, how was your weekend or whatever. And I think the relationships you build with those other teachers pays off with your students because your students are like, wow, my teacher is like kind of cool. Wow. People (laughs) really like my teacher, you know? Um, So they all become interwoven 
Yeah, and they and the kids, your students, they see what good relationships look like, how they should treat the kids in their classroom, how they should treat their peers. I remember um, this wasn't last year, but the year before last, um, and I'm still really close, but I'll just change her name. Let's say her name is Mrs. Watkins. Um, she and I are really close and we got to be really good friends. We were on the same team. And it was to the point where my students would be like, why are you? what are you doing tonight? Are you going to hang out with Mrs. Watkins? You guys are like best friends. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know that? And they're like, you're always talking to Miss Watkins and you guys hug each other and you smile at each other. But I was able to use that um, as a way to teach how they should be a, um, and treat their friends and their peers in their classrooms with respect because you don't see me treating Miss Watkins like that. And she's somebody who I call my friend. So, you know, just being that example for them and showing them what real relationships actually look like. Let's wrap this up talking about the relationships that maybe don't feel so good with colleagues because that happens too. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I know it happened to me bouncing in as a brand new teacher with all these energy and ideas. I had this one veteran teacher, I'm gonna call her Tina. I'm going to also change her name. And she just did not like me. And yeah. I think she didn't like me because I was roaring to go. And honestly, it was time for her to retire. Well, exactly. Like she, Why is it always those veteran teachers that are about <laughs> to retire that are like, no new ideas? Like, <laughs> Well, I think when it, by the time I left that school, what I realized is that she was suffering in her life mm -hmm. a lot. And, you know, and I'm a I had a lot going on too, but I tend to be kind of a person who shows things positively, presents them positively. But like we talk about this on the podcast a lot, like the only person you can control is yourself and mm -hmm. you can't control how other people feel about you. So be kind, be professional, but really try not to worry about those, those people that don't, you feel like don't like you. Yeah, I agree. Um, I had the same situation. It wasn't even my first year of teaching, but I did watch this particular veteran teacher um, get down and talk down about a lot of the first year teachers. And so there's nothing you can do about that. Um, Ron Clark, who's a very popular educator and businessman, he always says, it's like salt and just throw it over your shoulder. Like it falls to the ground, it scatters everywhere and you keep on going. Like there's nothing yep. you can do about that. Throw that salt over your shoulder. They're salty. It's okay. They're salty. Just leave and keep going. <laughs> and I love that he said that because it's so true. You're going to have those veteran teachers that, um, or any teacher that just doesn't agree with the way you do things or doesn't like the things you're wearing. You wouldn't believe the silly things that they come up with and talk about. So just throw it over your shoulder, keep moving. And find your, find your community. I mean, one of the things I really love about the educators to educators membership site is our Facebook community and how teachers have it's so cool, Kristen, because we have this like cohort of veteran teachers in the membership site that have kind of rebirthed this happiness and energy for teaching. And yeah. then you have a lot of newer teachers who are feeding off of that. And it's just been so cool to watch that community. So um, that is another place. I mean, whether it's the E2E membership or another community teacher community, find colleagues outside of your school building that can also support and wrap their arms around you. Like I said, that's one of my favorite things about E2E is to watch that happen with someone, a teacher in New Jersey bonding with a teacher in California over something tough, you know? So um, find a community outside of your school building too. That'll really help. 
Yeah, I love that. That's definitely another thing that I love about E2E as well. Just the community and the relationships that you build. And like you said, whether it's through E2E or another teacher community, just having that community, because you guys know what you're all going through, it makes your teaching experience 10 times better. Well, speaking about 10 times better, you've made E2E 10 times better for being part of it. I adore you, you know that. I can't wait to watch <laughs> everything you do in your career. We're going to stay close friends, but thank you for everything you do for E2E, Kristen. And thanks for sharing your wisdom today. Yeah, absolutely. I was so happy to be here. Thanks, Carrie. You're so sweet. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, everyone, make sure you stay tuned and join us for the next new teacher jumpstart episode coming soon.